0: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: Yeah, I felt good. You know, kind of going no pads, just getting back into it. Uh, yeah, it felt good to, to get the legs back and be sore tomorrow, but we'll feel good going later on this week.
2: Uh, effort was great. I think they some some of the guys who were a little nicked up, I
0: think were healed up a little bit this week. You know, from the week off. But uh, you know, they were doing things we asked them to do during break, and you know, getting workouts in themselves. And I think they uh, they did okay today. You know, I always say we've got to keep getting better or
3: look
2: at the tape and clean it up. You get the offense out here in shorts and shirts, and you know, they get they get tagged in the backfield. You know, they run their little ten yards and they think they got something. So. You know, we're have to put some pads on them and let them, know, let them know what the deal is.
3: And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Dan Hoppen, Robin Washington, and Nate Klaus as uh, we are back in full swing with spring practice. Nebraska hit the field on Tuesday after their 12-day spring break layoff, and uh, they'll, they'll have a Thursday practice, obviously, then a Saturday one. And, um, you know, as Nebraska gets back on the field, I mean, there are a lot of questions. They had six practices before the break. Of eight before the red white game, and I think the thing we've all talked about is we really haven't seen much. I mean, it, it's been very kind of introductory, very basic um, when when you watch practice right now, and and that's really what we're all going to be looking for. But in general, we'll start. I'm gonna start with you, Robin. What 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 are some of the things that have jumped out? What are you what are you gonna be watching closely here as they get on the field here for the second half?
4: Well, like you mentioned, not a whole lot has jumped out to to be quite honest, just because they really haven't played much of any live football, especially from what we've been allowed to see. So going forward over these, you know, this back end uh, of spring ball, I want to see just what this actual team looks like playing football. I want to see the offensive and defensive lines go, you know, full go and full pads. I want to see the running game, how it actually looks when people are actually tackling to the ground. I want to see how the quarterbacks respond to a live pass rush and, uh, you know, just, just basically see what, you know, Oh, and more importantly, the tackling. You know, we've talked all about this new rugby style tackling that, uh, supposed to, you know, kind of revolutionize the, their whole approach to to tackling. And we haven't been able to see it yet because they aren't tackling. So it's, it's, uh, other than that, yeah, it's been a really strange start to spring just because, you know, it, it, there's hard to get really any solid takes, uh, just because it hasn't been, you know, real 100% football yet.
1: And I, I think that's a great point, Rob, with the whole tackling thing.
4: You know, there are kind of two sides
1: to that coin. First, you know, you don't want to, just go out there and be using this new tackling style before you kind of have the basics down and have all the technique down. But at the same time, if you're going to be doing this in a couple months, you actually got to go out and make some contact with guys. So I think now is kind of the time where they got to start ramping that up and let these guys actually get to practice it in
4: live situations. And a perfect example of that was the other day when Mark Banker was talking about Aaron Williams, who came back for his first practice earlier this week. And uh, they asked him how he was adjusting because, you know, he hadn't, Participated in any of that, you know, this new style of tackling, and uh, Baker flat out said he was terrible at it, <laughs> and, you know. Uh, so it's it's clearly a transition for these defensive mm-hmm. players about kind of, you know. Nate Geary said I've learned to tackle one way for the last twenty years, and now I'm trying to completely reshape it. But uh, well, so that's why they, I'm curious why they haven't incorporated more live tackling than they have been already. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as Nebraska
3: back in the full swing here off a spring break. Some guys came back from injury. You mentioned Aaron Williams. Uh, At this point, maybe a projected starter at safety. I I think there's still some questions Antonio Reed could factor in. Kyron Williams, uh, we don't know. Uh, Stanley Morgan Jr. back as well after missing most of the first half. No Jordan Westerkamp, and from all uh, signs, it, it looks like he could be Headed for surgery over in Germany on his uh, sports hernia. Growing injury, so uh, that's unfortunate. But luckily, the recovery on that Nate is a lot better than it used to be. I remember in our early days around the program, if if you had that sports hernia surgery, it was dang near career ending.
2: Yeah, a lot of times it was career ending. You know, you look at Laney Hopkins as a guy that had a promising career come to an end because something like that that was always just kind of a reoccurring problem. So now with that surgery, you know, guys are able to come back in a matter of weeks instead of months, and and you know, kind of keep your fingers crossed I hope that it didn't happen again so I, I think that's a good sign that Jordan Westerkamp is getting that taken care of now and will be healthy for uh, fall camp.
3: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as Nebraska back at it and you know one of the other storylines that's really taken over the spring has been recruiting um, with the presence of Keyshawn Johnson Jr. and now Tristan Jebia. Uh, they were both at practice uh, for kind of a surprise visit Um, And and, these guys, I'm going to start with you on this, Nate, because you have been kind of the official beat reporter of the Cal Bassas guys um, with the (laughs) exclusive interviews you've been able to pull throughout this process. um, Were you surprised those guys made another trip? And now Keyshawn Johnson Jr. is going to be at the red-white game as well, um, which that wasn't going to happen Uh, What did you make of this week's trip to Lincoln with these guys?
2: Well, I wasn't completely surprised because when Tristan Jebbia visited on March seventh, he told me, "Yeah, and you know, I'm going to be taking some trips over my spring break in Nebraska. Is a possibility that I get back to Lincoln." And uh, at that point, obviously, it hadn't been set up. But all of a sudden, uh, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. commits last week, and then over the weekend, Tristan Jebbia decides, "Yeah, I'm going to be you know heading out to Nebraska during the middle of the week. I want to see what it's like to be a regular student athlete." You know, maybe sit in on some classes and get a better feel as his you know whole decision-making process is starting to come to an end here. And then all of a sudden, Keyshawn Jr. says, "Hey, I want to come along. I love Nebraska, so uh, he tagged along, and and uh, the two of them came out for a couple of days. The visit went extremely well. Tristan Jebby actually said it was. Um, his best overall visit that, that he's been on. So, um, you know, maybe the one troubling thing is, is that he's going to visit uh, Ole Miss this weekend, still taking that trip out there. He's in Oxford right now, actually. But the good thing That is, always gets
3: people nervous. I mean, I, yeah. we're not even going to go there, <laughs> but we are going to go there. But anytime you say, like, but he's going to go visit Ole Miss, people in Nebraska just have the same reaction, Demario Stringfellow, and we won't yeah. go there. Bo Pelini goes – I still never forget Bo Pelini goes – Uh, I go, what happened to Stringfellow? He goes, what do you think? (laughs) They always got some tricks
4: up their sleeves, don't they?
2: Well, let's just say the track record against Ole Miss lately has not been very good. Uh, but th- on the flip side of that you've got a Nebraska commit you know, who could not be more solid to Nebraska and Keyshawn Johnson jr going with Jebia down there so I think uh, having your uh, de facto recruiting coordinator in this in this class tagging along while you know Jebia is in Oxford I think is a very good thing and um, you know the other things too that that really impressed were the the fan base they were able to go to the baseball game um, you know and, and don't underestimate the the presence of a guy like Sean Mannion who's been on campus working out with Danny Langsdorf here as of late had on Tristan Jebbia because jebby has got aspirations to play on the next level and wants to be developed and um you know I don't I don't know if I can name a quarterback right off the top of my head that that is you know that Hugh Freeze has put out into the NFL here lately. So um, you know Mannion was on campus when Jebbia and Keyshawn Jr. were, and um, that's something that that definitely uh, Jebbia took notice of.
3: I've never seen anything like this though. I mean, we're talking about late March here, and juniors in high school have. I mean, it's 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 a phenomenon. I mean, these kids. Uh, the attention they're getting and and they're sitting behind home plate obviously those were the university issued tickets I'd assume that they got because they were on an unofficial trip but Um, Just that they're taking pictures with fans at baseball games.
1: Periscoping runs of
3: visits. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's really created um, uh, an attention on recruiting that we haven't seen this early that I can remember.
2: Yeah, people are following it as closely as I can recall. You know, anybody following any recruit, especially at this point in the process, you know, a lot of times. You know, as as the you know, things are winding down, maybe the end of, of a senior season, you know, guys are or fans are really into, you know, certain players that are either committed or or leaning Nebraska's way. But this early on for fans to be this involved is something that you just haven't seen in several years.
4: Yeah, and it's just the national attention this that the Keyshawn John Jr. commit got. I mean, every single major news sports media outlet was covering that story. I mean, even like Sports Illustrated, ESPN and all that. Uh, and then when you got uh, you know the fact that your guy your dad of the in this whole issue was, you know, a former not only NFL star, but you know a TV personality as well. And you got NFL reporters talking about it. I mean, it's, it's kind of it's a whole unusual thing that we've never seen before with the well, best recruiting. And the fact that his
3: first name is the exact same right. as his father's, mm-hmm. it really anybody can just pick up on that if it was like Kevin Johnson or something you know like I don't it, it wouldn't have the same but the fact that the, they're the exact same names mm-hmm. like anybody identifies with that name because Keyshawn Sr. was obviously such a, a big name in his era so I just think that really helps even with the you know the casual fan can really follow this a lot easier adds
4: a lot more punch to the headline that's yeah for sure. I mean it's just
3: yeah. it's it's a perfect storm in a lot of ways and Nate and I, we we've talked about this for a year that the the Johnson thing has really been the ace in Mike Riley's sleeve, and um, it's really coming to play out the way we thought. Now they just got to win some games and have a good <laughs> no, have a good year,
2: right? Okay, no yeah, if you, if they're able to put it together this fall and kind of have a a breakout se- season of sorts, I, there's no telling what could happen with this recruiting class. I think it's going to be good, but it could be great.
3: All right, when we come back, we'll, we'll we'll shift back over to spring football talk. We'll talk about some players that could be emerging, and we'll start out with a couple of linebackers. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, the two guys that stand out just physically in the way they're playing right now is, is Newby and Dedrick. They Really, the offseason, they've, they've leaned out, they've changed their body, they're moving much better. And then for Marcus, he's been as consistent as he's ever been right now. And so that's what you like to see from, from a guy like Marcus that has all those physical tools. When he can become that consistent football player, he's a guy that can make a big impact.
3: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here, and that was linebackers coach Trent Bray. I asked him the question: what guys have made the biggest jump of your linebackers? And he mentioned two names: Marcus Newby and Dedrick Young. And I don't think that's a surprise. I mean, both were highly touted, highly recruited players. Uh Dedrick Young, you know, played as a true freshman, had a great true freshman year, and he's made those offseason gains. It's his second spring. And then you look at Marcus Newby. He was highly recruited, but just kind of moved around like a pawn in the chess game. He was playing defensive end and he was flying. misused by those yeah. staff. Yeah. I mean, they just kind of, you know, tried to keep that guy around and, and move him around places. Now he's getting coached up, taught, and he's been impressive as we bring Dan Hopp and Nate Klaus and Robin Washington here into the conversation.
1: Yeah. Um uh, Marcus, he's a guy who his name just keeps coming up in conversations, whether you're talking with coaches or players. I think, you know, everyone kind of assumes that we know who those starters at linebacker are gonna be. Not so fast. I think Marcus Newby is definitely going to throw his name into that conversation and make things interesting.
3: Yeah. We just, Michael Rose Ivy and Josh Banderas, we assume, are, are locks in. And Dedrick a, Young. And Dedrick those Young. Were I three. mean, those are the three. Um, but yeah, not so fast on Marcus Newby and. And there's been some other young guys like Muhammad Berry and, and some other players, Robin.
4: I remember Trent Bray back during bowl practice brought up Muhammad Barry because, you know, that was right about the time he was finally off that injury and able to actually practice with the team. And, uh, you know, that was before, you know, he had a whole winter of strength and conditioning under his belt, too. And uh, Bray was really excited just about the potential he has with his athleticism. I mean, he's not the biggest linebacker out there, but his speed and just football presence, he, I mean, this is a terrible example and probably way too much hyperbole, but he's got a little Monte David. Well, that's aspect. what he said. Oh, yeah. That's what he said his idol was. Yeah, and so, I mean, I'm just saying, he's obviously got a long way to go before he's at that level, but just in terms of a style of play, that's kind of what he, the type of player that they hope he becomes because you know he's got just that that knack of getting to the football and the speed and athleticism to get there
1: at the very least I think he's going to be a pretty solid contributor on special teams Mm -hmm. you know I don't I don't just because of the depth at linebacker I don't know if we'll see him so much this year maybe not even next year but he'll be a guy on special teams and he'll make an impact down the road
3: well and this is what impressed me about him when you talk about Muhammad Barry academically he got a 3.6 GPA in his first semester Nate and this is somebody coming out of high school. If he had a 3.6, he wouldn't be at Nebraska. He'd be in the SEC at one of the Southern Powers. But everybody backed off of him because of academics. He took that personal, and his grade point average is now above a B+. Plus. Um, he's doing great in the classroom, and, and he's bigger. He's up to like 225, 230, and you could tell like how much stronger and how, how much bigger he's gotten in a year.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He, this is a kid who really had to dedicate himself towards the end of his high school career to to become qualified. There was, there was talk that Nebraska might have to place him at a place like Iowa Western, you know, coming out of high school. So uh, he, he barely made it, but he's, he really has dedicated himself in the classroom once he's gotten to Lincoln and in the weight room. He's completely transformed his body. Um, you know, he and Tyron Ferguson kind of came in on the skinny side of things and now are looking more more like Big Ten linebackers. And I think both these guys, as mentioned uh, before, could make a huge impact on special teams and, and clo- you know, slowly creep their way into seeing time on the field.
3: And Nate, when you said they almost had to send an Iowa Western to a Juco, the survival rate of a guy doing that route is pretty slim. You don't see a lot of guys go to the Juco and come back. For, I mean, I would say maybe 25% of the time, if that, if they, that. they come back the original place they signed because a lot of times they don't end up being the player you thought they were going to be if they make it out of the Juco then you back off him so who was that running back uh, Mosley Speedy Mosley or Lorenzo, Lorenzo Stewart. Lorenzo
2: Stewart, yeah, Lorenzo Stewart. You know, he went to Iowa Western, still struggled with academics there, but it was going to be unlikely that Nebraska ever even got him had he finished out his career there. And that's the thing: a lot of times these guys go to junior college, and they they either don't end up becoming the player that you think they're going to be, or they become just as good as you thought. But now, you know, with their associate's degree, uh, they, they have got some way options. more options than what they previously had. Dan,
1: do you have something? Oh well, I, I was just going back to kind of what we were talking about with Tyron Ferguson and and uh you know Mo Berry putting on some weight. I think this is a good chance to shout out Mark Phillip and oh, the yeah. job Holly swag, baby, on Twitter. The, <laughs> yeah. The job that he's done um, with this strength and conditioning, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, You look at Alex Davis, he's put on, you know, a really healthy 30 pounds. Deshaun Neal is a guy who put on some bad weight when he was injured last year, cut all the bad weight, and then added back some, um, you know, some pounds of muscle. The Davis twins have gotten bigger. He's just done a fantastic job, kind of reshaping some of these guys' bodies. Yeah,
4: reshaping is the, is the right word because you know they're not just getting big; they're getting you know s- stronger. They're adding muscle, but they're retaining and even improving their athleticism. And that's a key thing there because how many times in the past did we see you know fall camp guys show up after a summer of lifting and you know they're jacked you know to the core, but they couldn't move, and then they would get hurt and they'd have you know soft tissue injuries, and it was just kind of a, a cycle where guys would look like. You know, uh, Mr. Universe, but you know they wouldn't able to get, be able to stay on the football field. And I think that's the big difference between the old program and the program they have now is that you know not only are they you know training guys to to get more athletic and strong, they're training them to be football players.
3: You know, I find it interesting. Even uh, Garrett Poppin who left the program to Nebraska Kearney, he tweeted at Mark Phillip. Um, and his high school coach did actually that at UNK he had the best power clean on the team and got some kind of certificate for being the number one guy and and they, they credited Mark Phillip for getting him to that point so there's no doubt he's a good strength coach, and the players love him, and, and there's a loyalty factor mm. that he brings uh, to the table. So it will be interesting to see kind of uh, – you know, with the Boyd Epley thing, though, he continues to have a bigger role yeah, involved. He, mm-hmm. um, he did a basketball strength and conditioning workout <laughs> yeah. thing. So he's
1: worked with the baseball team. He's oh, worked
3: he's, for the bowling team too. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's doing his uh, performance index stuff again. So uh, there's definitely um, some interesting dynamics with strength and conditioning right now as – um, you know we evaluate things here. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as uh, we talk about uh, guys that have kind of made some moves here. Um, younger players in the off season, and um, we're, we're talking more defensive guys. Um, the Davis twins too. We've we've hit on those, but I, I think they're I, when that first scrimmage happens. Oh, yeah. I want to see the Davis twins. I yeah. want to see what they yep. can do. I and mean, by the way, they did not throw in that track meet. They were supposed to go to Tempe and uh, throw the disc uh, last weekend, but they decided to go home for spring break. Um, so, we have not seen them throw the disc. I'm looking forward to seeing that too.
4: Yeah. And, and again, it goes back to my point from the first segment. You know, that this is when they finally put the pads on and start playing real football. That's where the guys like the Davis twins are going to be able to really show what they're all about. Right now, you know, we just see them kind of working, you know, one on one and just kind of skeleton work. But uh, when they start actually incorporating a true running game and tackling to the ground and, you know, they get to get after the quarterback and the pass rush, uh, I think that's really going to open some eyes and show just how good these kids really are.
3: All right. Nebraska will practice Thursday and Saturday, and then they'll, they'll continue on that Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule here until that red-white spring game. I believe about 50,000 tickets have already been sold, so a lot of buildup. Hopefully the weather cooperates for that. But uh, when we come back on the program. Uh, we'll talk with Robin Washed about some of the turnover that's happened here in the Nebraska football, or Nebraska basketball program. Jacob Hammond announced his transfer and a couple of in-state walk-ons. Johnny Trueblood from Elkhorn South and Tanner Borkhart from Gothenburg will no longer be with the team. We'll get Robin's thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show
0: you're listening to huskeronline.com your authority on nebraska athletics and welcome back here to the
3: husker online show sean callahan and robin washington and dan hoppin as we're talking a little nebraska basketball there was you know some turnover on the roster and there kind of some turnover on the roster usually every year around this time last year it was walter pitchford leaving early teron P- teron pedaway going Um, to the NBA as well. Terrence Smith. Terrence Smith Smith as So, you know, you're going to see this really with any major program. And and Tim Miles announced Jacob Hammond uh, will no longer be with the program Scholarship Center, um, who really never met expectations. And then two walk-ons, Johnny Trueblood and Tanner Borkhart, in-state guys that the fan base definitely liked when they got into games. They had a following in – PBA when they got a chance to play in some of the blowouts but I want to get your thoughts first on Tanner Bor, not Tanner Borkard, uh, uh, Jacob Hammond and, and and kind of why that
4: went the way it went yeah I mean it's for as far as Nebraska is concerned it's a blow but only because he's the only player a scholarship player on the roster taller than six foot eight but the fact is he was a 6'10 quote unquote true center who played 10 minutes a game last year two points two rebounds started the first eight games and then was benched from the starting lineup and didn't even play in some games. So that in itself shows you kind of where he stood in the pecking order, the fact that you're willing to play a true freshman at the center spot that's only 6'8", 225 pounds. Jacobs is going to grow, though, I know, right? I know, but for the here and now, that just kind of shows where, uh, you know, Dick Hammond is in, in this thing. So the writing was on the wall, and keep in mind, this is a kid that – went to four different schools in his four years of high school including one year of being homeschooled at home with his parents so uh the the change and moving to different place to place is nothing new with his track record so we shouldn't be surprised at all that uh he decided to, to try his hand somewhere else i wouldn't expect or wouldn't be surprised at all if he heads up so end up going somewhere closer to oklahoma with his family and uh, you know, best of luck to him going forward. And uh, with the walk-on kids, yes, yeah, certainly disappointment. And again, no surprise really with Tanner Borkart I mean, this is a kid that turned down D1 football offers because, you know, he admitted he didn't have the lo- enough love for the game to do it. And,
3: Someday he will regret that. I, I, will, I will call that shot when he's an old man, 30, 40 years old, mm-hmm. and you talk to your kids and family about what you had in front of you and mm-hmm. what you gave up. I, I don't know. I mean, unless he's, I mean, unless he's yeah. going to become like a millionaire doctor, so. astrophysicist. He is
4: extremely smart, so uh, he's one of those kids that is going to probably do well in whatever he does. Great so, kid. I mean, yeah, great family. Yeah, great a kid. Great family. And so you know, again, best of luck to him. And uh, Johnny Trueblood, he's a good enough player. That he's going to go play somewhere, uh, whether it's a, a UNK, a I, Dakota. A, or, a, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to have options because he was a good enough player, and actually, you know, didn't look all that bad in the mop-up duty that he got last year. So uh, I think his basketball career is far from over, but. Uh, again, Again, like you mentioned earlier, like, people are all worried, you know, losing three players, you know, what's happening in the locker room. And it's not, this is not, has nothing to do with Tim Miles, has nothing to do with Nebraska. This is a college basketball problem right now. Uh, last year, the transfer list was over 750 names, an average of over two players per team across all Division I were leaving every season. Walk-ons
3: and scholarship or just scholarship?
4: Scholarship. And so you look at the transfer list last year, yeah, 750 names. Already the guys, Jeff Goodman and uh, Jeff Brazil from ESPN just put there their, you know, transfer list, which is what most people go by. It's already over 300 names and the season isn't even over yet. That means they're on pace to be over 800 transfers. It, it's unbelievable. It's, it's an epidemic really. When you think about, you know, just wh- how, what, what, has this the trend that's been going in college the basketball AAU yeah. mindset well exactly and that goes a lot to it i mean you got a guy like jake hammond went to four different schools in four years you got kids that bounce around aau teams every single year to just whoever you know offers the you know the best, best setup for them yeah and so this is like kind of the way that they grow up and they don't you know loyalty and uh, allegiance to school is really non existent and on the other hand you know you got kids getting forced out that are fully committed to a school but you know the, the coach finds somebody better in the next recruiting class and say hey you know you might want to try your options elsewhere so um, unless the NCAA steps in and really tries to kind of find ways to to squelch this it's probably going to continue to be more and more and you know seeing three four five guys leave per year will be the standard not not that not an anomaly
1: well I think you know Sean you brought
4: up the AAU I mean
1: yeah I think that's a huge part of it because it makes all these kids feel like you know they're the superstar and if they don't come in and play 25 minutes a game right away that's a slap in the face but also when you're playing AAU I mean you're playing I don't even know how many more like 40 50 60 more Mm -hmm. games every year and then you know plus your high school season then all of a sudden you come into college and your college team might ask you to redshirt or they say hey we want you to play a you know uh a a partial role you're playing 15 minutes a game Mm -hmm. you're gonna you know rebound block shots guys don't want to hear that they don't want to do that they want to play and I think that the fact that that's kind of become the culture now that's kind of what's played into this huge transfer rate but bringing back to Nebraska Nebraska really I know some Robin you mentioned some fans are kind of up in angst about this Nebraska's
4: turnover rate, I would say, is far lower than at a lot of other major schools. Yeah, I mean, look at Ohio State. We just keep it in the Big Ten. Their 2015 recruiting class was a five-man class that was rated top five in the country. They now have one player remaining mm-hmm. from their 2015 class. That just shows. I mean, this Michigan State has lost two guys already. Michigan has lost two guys already. It, it's it's Again, It's this has nothing to do with anything happening with Nebraska. This is a college basketball situation that, again, is becoming the new standard of guys leaving You know, year in, year out.
3: Well, last year to me was way more alarming. You had Walter Pitchford yeah. declare for the, that the was,
4: pros. I mean, come on. That was a weird I, I saw
3: him at the Henry Dorley Zoo last <laughs> month when I was with my two-year-old and wife. So I'm like, well, I hope that pro career is going yeah. well. And then, you know, Petaway, yeah, he went pro. But I know a lot of people didn't think he should have went pro. And and you wonder, you know, I know that they wanted a clean slate, yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. But those guys would have helped Nebraska there, in some ways. There was
4: a lot more to both of those situations than just basketball, especially with Teran. I mean, he, he was checked out. Like they knew he was leaving Uh, as much as they wanted to say it was a decision that came down. Yeah, I mean, with his mom dying and, you know, the fact that he already had his degree in hand going into, you know, what would have been going into his senior season, uh, there was really not a lot of incentive for him to come back. And, you know, the fact that, you know, his numbers would have gone down with, you know, having better players around him, uh, you got to wonder what his stock would be. Because that that was what, you know, made him an appealing prospect. The fact that he's averaging close to 20 points a game. Well, he's not going to do that with Andrew White and Siobhan Shields and Glenn Watson. I mean, there's there's too many other players around him. So, uh, and then Walter Pitchford, yeah, that that was kind of a, a a deal where I think Nebraska was happily uh, willing to let him go. He, he was not a good locker room guy, and uh, it was just a, a bad fit. You know, he never became the player they wanted him to be. He had so the one beautiful year though, baby. He did. He did. And you know, he had his games. You know, like the upset against Michigan State, where you know he had a career day. But anyway. We'll get off talking about while it's pitch for you.
3: Let's talk about real fast because we don't have a lot of time. Um, recruiting, how many guys are they going to take, Robin? I mean, well, right
4: what? now two open scholarships, and again with the way things are, I wouldn't be surprised one bit if another spot opens up. Uh, and I'm not going to say any names, but you could probably look at the you know season stats and figure out you know what are the likely candidates. Uh, but yeah, so right now, two spots, you're probably looking at a big, maybe another big, if the, depending on how many, if they get another spot and then maybe another point guard. Cause right now you have Glenn Watson, uh, Bakari Evelyn and Ty Webster as your really, your, your three point guards. And two of those guys you could argue are combo guards, not true points. So, that's what they're looking at right now. And, uh, you know, the idea is to at least get one, if not two, bigs for next year.
3: All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over to Husker Baseball. Nebraska Baseball is on a toward-win streak here. Uh, they took care of Creighton, and uh, they have a big conference weekend now with Illinois. We'll get Dan Hoppin's thoughts on that next Here You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'm just seeing the ball I'm putting and putting good swings on after Been getting good pitches ahead and I haven't missed them. So um, hopefully that continues. But um, just seeing the ball hit well. He's a line drive hitter with you know power, and you know line drives went out. But again, when he's feeling good and, and seeing the ball well, and, and you can just tell by his takes that he's seeing the
1: ball
3: well. Well, guys, can he can do things at a different level? And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska head coach Darren Erstad and Ryan Bolt after Nebraska's eight to two win over Creighton on Tuesday night at Hawks Field, Haymarket Park. Nearly six thousand on hand as uh, the bandwagon man. People are jumping on <laughs> it. You know, there was that point where Nebraska was three and six, Dan. Yep. Uh, they are now uh, 17 and seven I believe yes
1: they've won 14 and 15 and eight straight which
3: very you know you're very optimistic when you look at this team right now but then there's the guy from last year that'll say well wait a minute they are 23 and seven last year at this exact same date um, well, what's your take on this team compared to last year do you like it do you see more potential um, as they get into the big 10 schedule
1: I think this is a better team than last year I think I said all along I thought that the overall talent of this team was probably the best of Darren Erstead's tenure. Um, I a lot of it was so young, I didn't know if it would come through right away, but it is. It, it's playing well right now. I will put the caveat on there that Nebraska's schedule over this winning streak has not been all that tough. They've They've had a couple games against some decent teams. Um,
3: Loyola Marymount's RPI is at least respectable. Yes. To uh, take four in a row from that team in March was a pretty good series win. And I'm
1: not arguing yet. That, that was a very good series win. But I, what I'm trying to say is the schedule hasn't exactly been filled with a bunch of Giants. Um, and it's not going to be for the next couple weeks. Nebraska, they get Illinois this weekend and then uh, Northwestern next week, and None of those two teams are very good either. So Nebraska's got a chance to really – kind of stockpile some wins here and start building a postseason resume
3: and what's unique about the big 10 is you only play 24 league games uh, very weird Yeah, a lot of leagues play 27 maybe even 30 league games but um, that's only 24 so that means every win is pretty valuable um, you know the magic number to win the big 10 and we're getting far ahead of ourselves here though if you get to what 17 18 league wins um, you're going to be And pretty good contention to to win the whole thing. And they've got a chance, Dan, over these next two weeks to maybe get off to a seven and two, eight and one type of start.
1: Yeah, I think especially after you sweep Purdue on the road, I think yeah, seven and two over these over the first three series. I think that would be probably I don't want to get too hyperbolic here, but that would almost be like the low point. You know, you would really prefer to go 8-1 and or 9-0 and in these games, just considering the talent gap that Nebraska has between these schools.
3: Now, what do we know? We're talking Nebraska baseball here as the Huskers uh, get ready for a home conference series with Illinois. Now, a year ago, Dan, Illinois was a beast. I mean, they were a, a national seed, nearly made it to Omaha. And
1: won the Big Ten.
3: Won the Big Ten. Um, they were kind of the Indiana of last year. Um, just based on their record and, and what they've shown, it looks like they've fallen off quite a bit. What do we know about this Illinois team, maybe why they're not as good as a year ago?
1: Well, they, they lost a lot. I mean, that's that kind of goes without saying. They lost a lot of hitting, especially. Um, their, their offense is just not even close to the same level it was last year. They've only got one guy hitting above 300. Only one player has uh, more than two home runs. So they're just they're not hitting real well. But they do have a very good starting rotation. I think the key for Nebraska is to get to some of those guys early and get to the bullpen because their bullpen is respectable, but it's not great. You can attack that bullpen. And I think if Nebraska can get some of those starters out of the game, not let them go six, seven innings, that's gonna play a huge role this weekend.
3: When I thought when you look at the win over Creighton, I thought that was what was impressive. Creighton came in with the supposed best ERA in the nation and um, that Nebraska was able to get a bunch of walks hit by pitch. And then they were able to get a lot of hits. Mm-hmm. Ryan Bolt did what he does. Um, I heard it on the radio, but the home run that he hit oh um, my. into the wind, into the wind, yeah, in, in right field, right? Or, yes, um, that would that was not an easy play to make. No, he hit two home runs to right
1: with the wind blowing in from that direction, and he had another ball that I swear, if there wouldn't have been wind, that one would have gotten out too. It ended up being a you know pretty routine fly out to right, but the wind just killed it. He had a great game against Creighton, and he's got three hits in each of his last four games. He looks like—I mean—he's always been a very good player, but he might
3: be taking it to another level. Now I know this will excite you, Dan, but Erstad's nine and two against Creighton. Is that what I read right after the game?
1: Uh, I believe so. I know that Nebraska's won six in a row over
3: Creighton, so, so he's kind of the the Creighton killer.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's done a great job, and and uh, that's what Ed Service gets for using fifteen pitchers every time they play. <laughs> the length, <laughs> slowing of slowing the game down. Do a crawl
3: now. They'll play two more. Both of those will be in TD Ameritrade Park, I believe. Though they rotate it, where um every the last game, one team gets to be the home team. Yes, and I, is it this year for Nebraska? um The the, the home team. I, I don't even know that for sure. I, I don't know for sure, but it's, it it's doesn't really matter. It's a money thing. I mean, whoever gets the home game gets the the, yeah. the big gate from that final game. But um, nonetheless, a good non-conference win over a team had a high RPI. Nebraska's RPI now in the top thirty. Is that something – I mean, I I know people get excited about that because that's usually what the committee uses um, because the polls are so all over the map when you look at college baseball polls. Mm -hmm. But um, the RPI for Nebraska is high. The Big Ten in general has some high teams, Michigan State, Michigan, Nebraska. Minnesota's RPI is high. Um, as well right now what what do you think of this league in general and and, and their chances for the tournament
1: well the league is down there's, there's no question about it I mean even if some of those RPIs are high these teams just aren't as talented I think when I look at the Big Ten I think probably two maybe three teams are going to come out of it I see Nebraska Michigan Michigan State and Ohio State is kind of those four teams that are going to have a chance and I could be wrong some other Minnesota
3: te- we don't know enough about yet.
1: yeah some other teams could rise up out of that but um for me it's just way too early to start looking at rpis and stuff i mean this would be like looking at you know the college football polls after week four and saying okay here's who's making the college football playoff it's just way too early way too much stuff is yet to happen you know you you can put a little stock into it it's fun to look at a tiny rpi number and be like hey we're in the top 30 but you know It doesn't hold a lot of meaning at this point, to me. What
3: what I will say about the schedule, after Illinois and Northwestern, you have Michigan and Michigan State series. Yep, it gets tougher. Big Ten was pretty favorable, though, with Rutgers and Penn State. And then Indiana, um, I don't know how good they are right now, but they're not the Indiana of Kyle Schwarber era. No. Um, So Nebraska did get a pretty good draw, I think, when you look at the schedule and and, and the teams they play here. They do close out, though, with – you know, two home series as well, so they can get you know a lot of momentum. Seven games in a row at home in May before they go to Omaha for the Big Ten tournament. I mean, it sets up that it could be a nice finish if it continues on the path they're on. Yeah, absolutely. I There's no question. Nebraska's got a schedule that's
1: set up pretty nicely for them. The the only thing is, you know, when you have an easy schedule and we were just talking about that RPI, if you lose a couple games against teams that aren't so good, that RPI can drop in a hurry and you know, I was just talking about the how RPI isn't all that important right now. At the end of the season, it is important because the postseason committee looks at that. So if you, you know, take a couple of days off and and lose some games to these lesser teams, you can really hurt yourself. You get fall in
3: the 60s or 70s pretty quick. Yeah,
1: Nebraska's got to stay locked in here.
3: Well, Nebraska three games this weekend against Illinois at Hawks Field Haymarket Park. Uh, Saturday's game will be on TV on NET. Um, But Illinois six thirty five on Friday. 205 Saturday. And then 105 on Sunday. So they're expecting big crowds, especially Sunday. It's going to be about 80 degrees on mm-hmm. Sunday. So uh, that should be a good atmosphere uh, to watch some baseball on Sunday. And you can watch the game Saturday on TV if you can't get out to the ballpark. So make sure you follow Dan Hoppin this weekend as we will have full coverage of all three games at Hawks Field. When we come back here on the Husker Online Show, we'll close things out with Nate Klaus with some recruiting talk as some more big-name players have confirmed to visit Nebraska's red-white spring game
0: this is huskeronline.com your authority on nebraska athletics
3: final segment here of the husker online show and as we do every week in our last segment we talk some recruiting with husker online's nate klaus and really recruiting is in full swing we're not even into april and you know this week we talked earlier in the show to start the show about Keyshawn johnson jr and tristan jebbia and their, and their uh, return trip to lincoln um, we've never gotten Nate's thoughts, though, and what he's heard. I mean, I guess, Nate, when you um, have done some interviews and talked to guys, uh, what have you heard about their trip to Lincoln and how things went this week?
2: Well, things went about as well as they could have gone, to be perfectly honest with you. It's, Tristan told me it was his best trip that he's taken to date and just had an unbelievable time. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he has been here a couple times. It was less about – you know, recruiting and, and, you know, trying to digest a ton of information and more about just hanging out, getting a feel for things and and kind of feeling, um, you know, seeing if this is a place that he could feels at home at. And and I think it is, he felt very comfortable with the players. He obviously has a great relationship with the coaching staff and, you know, his best friend, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. is committed. Um, everything was just, just comfort, um, you know, comfortable for him. So I, I think that, um, You know, it really kind of move Nebraska to the top, maybe gave them some, you know, quite a bit of buffer space between uh, them and and Ole Miss, to be perfectly honest with you. Now, we'll see what happens. I'm eager to hear how the visit to Ole Miss goes. Knowing Tristan, I know that uh, he'll probably have nothing but positive things to say about that, but uh, there's no question that there's a decision that's going to be nearing, um, and it's going to be taking place between the Huskers and Rebels.
3: It's kind of an odd dynamic, though, that Keyshawn Johnson Jr. will be with him or has accompanied him out to Old Miss, uh, because there, it's kind of a you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't situation for Old Miss. Like you don't want Keyshawn Johnson there, but if you don't let him come, that affects maybe Jebbia, so you have to let him come. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of a good strategy, I guess, for Mike Riley to send his. Um, uh, smart bomb or whatever yeah. you want to call it on the trip with Jebbia.
2: Well, yeah, it is a very difficult position to be in if you're Ole Miss because uh, you can't tell the you know one of your top quarterback prospects that he can't visit your campus with his best friend. Uh, you know, and you know that there's no chance that that Ole Miss flips Keyshawn Jr. and that Keyshawn Jr. is trying to actively recruit Jebbia to Nebraska to join him and is going to be in his ear the entire visit saying, hey um, Nebraska is better in this respect or, or, you know, that what they're telling you about, you know, Ole Miss is garbage or whatever, you know, he's going to be in his ear recruiting, uh, to Nebraska and, and kind of shooting down or poking holes and everything that, that Ole Miss is, is kind of feeding to, uh, to Tristan, but that's the way it is. You can't, you can't tell him to, that he can't visit your campus. So that was Rich
3: Jebbia, was he from Mississippi?
2: I don't know where Rich Jebby is originally from, to be perfectly honest with you, but I do know that he played at Ole Miss, uh, you know, and has – you know a few very memorable plays uh, in Ole Miss history, and when you look back at, at uh, you know some of their bigger games that they played in his era, he he made some some terrific plays, and is uh, kind of you know when you when you talk to Ole Miss fans, they know who, exactly who Rich Jebby is because of these plays that he made. So uh, he is a legacy, but and I know that there's a lot of people that are nervous about that, but at the same time, you just picked up a commitment from. Uh, arguably, you know, from a, U, a legend at USC, uh, his son, you know, kind of spurned, uh, you know, the every, you know, the hometown school in 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 certain cases that uh, to go to Nebraska. So it, it does happen. I think that maybe what could be the the ultimate deciding factor for Jebby is the fact that hey. If, Um, If I'm going to leave home and travel halfway across the country, I want to play with someone, you know, I want to play with uh, one of my teammates, one of my best friends, someone who I have a good chemistry with on the field and and off of it, and that would be Nebraska.
3: Well, and you talk about cultures, um, L.A., Calabasas uh, to Lincoln. That's obviously a change, but to me, Calabasas to Oxford, Mississippi, that's about as big – I mean, that's a huge difference in cultures uh, to move in the deep south of Mississippi – and you wonder if that will play into his decision as well, because you know, they, they, was it was a Keyshawn that said they talk about Lincoln being this small town, but it really is not. I mean, it's, it's a great sized community, over 300,000 people, um, where some of these smaller, say, SEC towns, I mean, they're, they're 20,000, 30,000 people communities where the college is the town.
2: Yeah, Keyshawn Senior was pointing pointing that out to me in a conversation I had with him after his son committed. That, you know, the the perception to a lot of people, you know, out there, especially from the big cities, from LA, from Miami, you know, Houston or Dallas, is that Lincoln, Nebraska, is this little farm town. But it's not the case. It was uh, it's one of the bigger cities in the in the Big Ten. It was one of the bigger cities outside of Houston or outside of Austin in the Big Twelve. So uh, there are things to do. It's just all about kids actually um you know setting foot inside inside the city of, of lincoln and experiencing things for themselves so um yeah i think that is something that that will come into play um obviously lincoln e- you know regardless of its size you know being about 250,000 people I think it still has that college town feel to it but there's maybe a little bit more to do uh, than some of these smaller towns like uh, uh, Oxford or you know Starkville Mississippi or, or even Gainesville you know a place in Florida I mean that's it's not a huge a huge town or a city per se. I'll say
3: this in Lincoln Nebraska in the last year or two we've had Blake Shelton, Carrie Underwood, Little Wayne and Jay-Z concerts I, I guarantee you some of these smaller SEC communities um, have not had anything close to some of the things that Lincoln has had and and obviously the the football facilities and everything they have to offer Uh, you're listening here to the Husker online show Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus wrapping things up with recruiting and um, the spring the spring game the red white game um, it's definitely picking up steam Keyshawn Johnson Jr. did announce that whatever trip he had planned will not be happening he will be at the red-white spring game on April 16th, uh, which is huge news for Nebraska uh, to get him there at the game. But, uh, Nate, you reported some other guys that will be here.
2: There's going to be a handful of visitors. So far we've, con- we've confirmed close to 10 guys that have offers that plan on being uh, at the spring game, which I think at this point in time, is is well ahead of where where they were at last year in terms of just offered players, uh, but there's a heavy California feel with all of this. When you talk about Keyshawn Johnson Jr. now going to be on campus, he had um, months and months ago had bought tickets to Coachella, which is a big concert uh, and over over a week long event out in California, um, you know. And then it and then it came up that it was during the same weekend as a spring game, but now uh, he's he's selling those tickets. Is going to be in town. Um, uh, and I think there's a, a lot of California guys that are coming up um, that know him. Jeremiah Hawkins is another wide receiver out of California. Chris Hawkins, his brother? No, uh, oh. this is a different a different Hawkins. Haw- okay, um, he's from Buena Park, California. He was actually he got offered after the the LA satellite camp last summer. Uh, he's going to be in town. Athlete Nick Pickett uh, from Los Angeles, Salesian, um, who was very close with uh, with Keyshawn and all those Calabasas guys, is going to be uh, visiting. Maurice Bell. Out of uh, Marietta Valley, California, uh, another wide receiver that's going to be uh, on campus and visiting. Obviously, you've got uh, Javon McQuitty out of uh, Columbia, Missouri, that'll be here. Um, Dalton Keene is a is a tight end you know, out of Colo- Colorado that Nebraska was one of the first schools to offer. Kind of a you know traditional tight end, H back type of guy that that they really like. 6'4", 220 hundred twenty pound kid uh, that's going to be visiting. Uh, has gained a few you know handful of offers uh, actually from uh, Virginia Tech, uh, you know, the Colorado schools. I think uh, Virginia could be getting close to to offering as well. So um, he'll be on campus along with uh, in-state offeree Austin Allen, uh, the big 6'8", 220-pound tight end down the road there at Aurora. I think that'll be good to get him on campus. Um, And then you've got an offensive tackle, Blaze Andres, uh, from Minnesota, who's the top player in the state of Minnesota that will be coming down. And uh, that's obviously a big visit there when you talk about need, at offensive tackle, and then just recruiting, you know, trying to pluck those, those top players in the 500-mile radius. I think it's important uh, to continue to do that, even though you have a lot of momentum going on out in California right now. Uh, it's still important to to kind of you know keep things, keep plucking guys out of this area as well. The
3: second FBS offer went out in-state this past week as well. Rudy Stauffer from uh, Kearney, kind of a sleeper offensive tackle prospect, was offered by Wyoming. Um, so that that was kind of a, a guy I think Nebraska needs to, to keep tabs on. Uh, we we both agree though. Um, um, that our boy out of Norfolk, um, uh, Logan, Strom. Logan Strom, is going to uh, – I think that's going to be the stock that I would invest on as somebody that could yeah. really get some offers here um, on the in-state front. There's a number of guys. I mean, they're, we're looking at over 20 kids this year that will sign in Nebraska, FBS or FCS, which is a great year great. Um, within the in-state. It could be closer to 25, and if you counted Brock Bando and – Um, Cordarius Bailey if they were still here I mean this would even be a better year Mm -hmm. so uh, unfortunately you mentioned satellite camps too Um, you know Nebraska still hasn't released the dates um, but you know they have moved them up earlier this year we know that they're going to do them the first week of June and I was talking to Trent Bray about that on Tuesday and he said one of the reasons why they did that is uh, they found that if they have them later in the month a lot of kids run out of their camp budget money and and whatnot so They would rather have them in the front of the month instead of the back of the month because they think that could potentially help attendance and the weather. It's a little bit cooler. Uh, You you know, you go down on June 20-something in Atlanta, um, it's going to be a little bit warmer probably than what Mm -hmm. it might be on June 5th. So... Um, you know, it's it's a lot of different strategy, but hopefully we'll we'll know more on the satellite camps.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to to rearrange that schedule like that, and uh, and it's nice to see that you know they're they're getting all their ducks in a row here leading up to that you know hearing that decision that's going to that's supposed to be coming down from the NCAA at some point in April, but uh, at this point it looks like everything's going to be a go. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, if they switch up any of the cities uh, compared to last year's schedule or not.
3: Well, lots to keep tabs on here uh, as Nebraska uh, with recruiting in the red-white game, but that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.